Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this wonderful Wednesday morning edition of Bobcat Radio. I'm your host, Taylor Quinn, and today I'm joined by my producer, Kobe Jackson, and my co-host, Orlando Smart. We've got a fun show planned for you guys where we'll talk about some Bobcat softball and baseball and also get into some NBA playoff talk. But before we get into it, let's throw it to Orlando with a word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks, eats, drinks, scenic views. Thank you, Orlando. Now let's get started with some Texas State softball. So Texas State softball is coming off a series win against ULM. They won 3-2, 5-1, and 3-1 against the Warhawks. So last time I talked to you, especially Kobe, the Bobcats were on a four-game losing streak, but they definitely bounced back. You know, how do you feel about their performance against ULM? I mean, it was a tough, tough performance against ULM. I was uh, fortunate enough to be on the call for Saturday's game, and, or one of Saturday's game, and they had a big bounce-back win in the second game of 5-1 to one, and then the final game of three to one so obviously just going off of this series i mean the run production was really the story of this ball game and or of this weekend series and honestly you can't really be disappointed if your head coach ricky woodard i know i talked about it on monday's bcr how you know the home run i mean home runs are great but honestly the run production from this bobcat team really showed its two colors but they got a, a they got a tough battle against them as they'll be battling Baylor tonight. So obviously the Bobcats really need to just keep playing like they did this past weekend, and obviously they'll probably get another win. Yeah, going into this series, I was kind of um, kind of hoping that the Bobcats could use this series as a as a bounce back series. You know, just coming off of that that tough Texas Texas A and M loss, and this being a Sun Belt Conference opponent, they needed they needed this type of win they needed these wins to kind of build momentum going into more conference play and looking at a team like um the Warhawks they were only going into the conference I mean going into this game uh this series they were only four and 11 in the conference uh they were on a four game losing streak so I was really hoping the Bobcats could use this game as to, uh, to build momentum and that was exactly what they did sweeping the series and just kind of building up building that up and coming into going down to Waco or up to Waco yeah going up to Waco <laughs> it's going to be it's a very tough opponent but hopefully that momentum they built can have, um, help them against a ranked opponent like that yeah anytime you get swept against a team it sucks and you know losing zero to eight against A&M we got to realize that's a that's a top tier opponent there but taking care of business inside the conference is the main thing and that's exactly what Texas State did. Um, coming up against Baylor, you know, like you all have all said, this is going to be a test as well. But I'm sure that number 18 ranking doesn't scare them at all. They're going to be ready to go for that one. Yeah, the Bobcats play Baylor today at three. The Bobcats lost three to two in extra innings in March against Baylor. So they'll definitely be looking to, you know, avenge and get a win out here. And against the series in ULM, you know, the Bobcats came out hot. And I think that was definitely a key a key to their wins against this team. But Kobe, yeah, I mean, I'll take it to you. <laughs> well, I just wanted to kind of quote or, or mention one thing is that Baylor is ranked number 18th in the country. And they're coming off of tough tough loss against the number one team in Oklahoma, in the Oklahoma Sooners. So obviously Baylor's looking to bounce back and then they got another conference series against Iowa State as well. So honestly, 
it's going to be really tough for this Baylor team. Obviously, we uh, the Bobcats faced them uh, last, I believe, a couple months ago uh, in de- here in San Marcos, and it was a close game. It was uh, it was two to nothing for the longest time, and then the, obviously the Bears came charging back and won three to two. So obviously, you know, Rick, I know Ricky Waters looking back at that, and she's probably saying, "Hey, you know, we're not going to try to repeat like we did." against them the first time so let's you know just be sure and just kind of connect on all cylinders and hope you know hope for another win yeah Baylor is coming off a three-game losing streak they lost to number one ranked OU in their last series all shutouts but the Bobcats haven't been to Waco since 2021 so this will be exciting last time the Bobcats were in Waco they won seven to five so I'm excited for this game and I hope the Bobcats continue building momentum Anyways, let's move on to some Texas State baseball. Texas State is coming off a 7-2 win against Prairie View A&M. Peyton Zabel actually recorded his first career quality start. What do you guys think is key for the Bobcats going into their three-game series against Old Dominion? I mean, first off, what a, a big-time win against, a Prairie, against Prairie View A&M. That's actually where my mom used to go to school at, which I thought was kind of funny because I know she, she loved going there and she loved the people that were there. But just going off of the series, I mean, what an outstanding job. Way to bounce back from a weekend series that uh, baseball had against Troy, going uh, only winning one game out of the three-game uh, three weekend series. But, I mean, just going off of that, just looking at the score, uh, the box score, I mean, Texas State was in control throughout the whole game, and really up until uh, the seventh inning, or excuse me, the ninth inning when Prairie A&M tried to make a, a comeback here, only getting two runs. But, I mean, talking about Davis Powell and Dalen Pena, who stepped up big time, and then obviously Ryan Leary uh, on this Bobcat team did outstanding. So, But, I mean, we talk about their pitching during the week because obviously the weekend starters like Tony Roby, Levi Wells, Zeke Wood, the main three guys that go go on and pitch during the weekend. But just coming, just going off of just the weeks, uh, the – the regular se- the regular games that they play during the week. I mean, that's really been the story of this Bobcat team. And so far, they're trying to really bounce back in that because I know, you know, them playing uh, Texas and them playing TCU earlier on in the year, obviously, were during the week. So obviously, they have a lot of experience plus pitching as well. I know we talked about that so much this season. But I mean, this is a good bounce back win for if you're the Bobcats and if you're head coach uh, Stephen Trout. So, I mean, but they got another tough conference matchup against Old Dominion, who is sitting currently fourth in the, excuse me, fourth in the Sun Belt right now. So obviously another big time matchup as they will take on Old Dominion. Yeah, Kobe, I'm glad you mentioned some of Texas State's opponents um, like Texas and TCU. And I even want to throw uh, begrudgingly, I'd throw UTSA in there. They're a pretty good school, but <laughs> grudgingly. I mean, um, that just just shows that I mean, in Texas, uh, Texas State has gotten some wins against some of these big name schools. So, and these ranked opponents, so that just shows the kind of experience that they have. And just kind of looking across the 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 field to Old Dominion, they have, other than conference opponents, which they are doing, um, I mean, pretty well. They're ten and eight in conference play right now. But other than the conference opponents, they haven't really played any of these top ranked schools they don't just they don't they just don't have that much experience against some of these top ranked schools but at the same time that doesn't mean texas state can just come in thinking that they're just all high and mighty thinking just being that they're probably will be one of the best schools that old dominions played this year they need to like go in there and handle their business of traveling down to norfolk virginia they need to be able to show that they're the best school that old dominions played yeah orlando i'm glad you mentioned that as well because i'm looking at Old Dominion's uh, recent games, and in the last five games, 
they put up 49 runs. <laughs> so yes. that is a lot of runs <laughs> there. And you got to be able to have more quality starts like we were talking about, Taylor. you got to be able to have a good pitching, good pitching that you can fall back on against a uh, hot team like this. Obviously, you're, you're probably going to give up some runs, but let's just try to keep it as low as possible. So, yeah, with this three-game series coming up against – Old Dominion, they're going to have to be locked in on the defensive side of it, more so in my opinion, because I know offensively they'll probably be there as, they, as they've been throughout the entire season. Yeah, Orlando, I'm glad you talked about how Texas State has been able to beat some really, some really good teams like, you know, UT. And um, I just think that – sorry, I lost, I lost my thoughts. I just think that, um, like you said, Texas State can't go into the series against Old Dominion and just be like, "Oh yeah, we we can beat good teams." You know, like Old Dominion hasn't seen a lot of a lot of really well teams here in their season, but you know, I think that if Texas State you know starts out hot and continues to get hits like they did against Prairie View A and M, then they're gonna have a good win. Yeah, and one thing you mentioned, Thomas, is about um, the amount of runs that um, Old Dominion has um, accumulated over these last few games, and I, that's definitely a test to their batting and their how well coached they are. But another thing I want to look at is they've also given up a lot of runs. I'm seeing a 18-run give up to Appalachian State, and then a couple games before that in Coastal Carolina gave up 15 runs. So yeah. this is a it'll be uh, if Texas State can be strong on the mound, it shouldn't they shouldn't be able to. They shouldn't struggle too much, but even if they aren't, I feel like it'll be a very um, high-scoring. If it comes down to a very high-scoring game, I feel like Texas State has the bats and the big batters to kind of be counteract. Yeah, to counteract yeah. that and be to push them over the level, to put them over the limit. Yeah, you make a great point about the run production of this Old Dominion team because honestly, I'm just looking at the box scores for each and every uh, game that they played so far. Giving up those big runs obviously is a really, really big deal, especially in the Sun Belt Conference. Like you said, Appalachia State, and then obviously at the time, the number 17th ranked Coastal Carolina team, who was always well known in college baseball. We clearly saw them last year as well. So obviously, uh, it's obviously a big, a big time, a uh, big time thing. Real quick, I want y'all kind of. I know we're gonna get a little bit off topic here, but what famous pitcher played for Old Dominion? Take a guess. Ooh, Roger Clemens. No. Is he historic or is he playing now? He's, he's playing now still. Oh, okay. Oh. Justin Berland. There you go. Yes. Oh, I was just about to say. No way. Guess. Yep. Played at Old Dominion. Yep. That was such a guess. Awesome. <laughs> but I mean, it's gonna be a this is gonna be a fun series for Bobcats and Old Dominion, and we're, you know, obviously we're looking forward to it. Yeah, and again, the three game series against Old Dominion will start on Friday, but we're gonna get into some NBA playoffs talk right after this break. The NBA playoffs are back in full swing. And, you know, first I want to talk to you, Thomas, about your LeBron and their Lakers. So do you think that the Lakers will clutch the series tonight? No. And I'm no? just going to be completely honest with you here. Memphis, they're... They're a really good team. Still, don't let the don't let the series fool you. Don't let Dylan Brooks's antics fool you. They're still there's a reason why they're number two in the Western Conference, and I do believe that they might win this game tonight on their home floor. But when they go back to LA for Game Six, the series is over in LA. You know, Thomas as a also as a Laker fan, I'm gonna have to disagree with you. I think the Lakers are gonna go out there and get it done tonight. I feel like. Um, the the Grizzlies had a really good chance last uh, with the last game to kind of even the series and kind of take that momentum back from the Lakers because in my opinion once you lose a home game I feel like 
the series is kind of over from there, especially when you lose losing home court advantage like that. Because if you have home court advantage, all you have to do is win all your home games and you win the series. So losing that, I feel like that kind of is a big testament to how the series is going to go. And they lost the very first game, and then they were able to rally and win the next game at home. But then losing back to back at um, in LA, I just kind of think the momentum is all in, all with the Lakers right now. I feel like LeBron is playing really well. I feel like AD is looking to have a very good bounce back game because although we the Lakers still won, he just he wasn't he didn't play that well offensively. I mean he's been a stalwart on defense, but um, I feel like he's gonna <laughs> I think feel like he'll be looking to kind of bounce back offensively, and the Lakers will be able to get it done tonight. Yeah, Orlando, I can actually respect that because I think watching the games, having watched all of the games, um, AD, it's an interesting. Uh, I should say trend that happens where he plays dominant in one game and kind of struggles to get it going in the next game. So this last game, he struggles. So game six, he's on tap, hopefully on schedule to go off. So I would like to see him go ahead and wrap it up so they can get that extra rest and hopefully play either Sacramento or Golden State. You know, they're going to go to extra games. So, you know, considering the fact that we are, we have two Laker fans in this room here currently, I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. When I I talked about the Lakers early on in the year and how I don't want them to like win at all, I do want them to win at this point now because I'm not gonna lie to you. After what I saw with Dylan Brooks calling out LeBron James, I'm like, dude, you just probably made the biggest mistake <laughs> of your life. I'm serious because, for one thing, you were literally talking about one arguably you can arguably say the greatest player in this modern era. You can arguably say that. I mean, you know, a LeBron. I mean, LeBron James, the guy that went to eight straight NBA Finals. I mean. Come on, man. Like, first off, why? You know, <laughs> but I mean, I think the the momentum is on like the Lakers currently. And to be honest with you, I think they'll probably just go ahead and close this out. I don't see Grizzlies getting another another game in the series. And to be honest with you, with the injury with John Moran's hand, honestly, it's going to kind of affect that. Also, we clearly saw that in game four. So to me, honestly, I think the Lakers can go ahead and just close this out and just get the rest that they need. So that way they don't have possibly any more injuries like Anthony Davis, possibly. And I'm knocking, I'm knocking <laughs> yeah. on wood for that. But now nah, Lakers, no, nah, I think Lakers will get the uh, get the series one. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, Dylan Brooks and his antics. And honestly, as as a career LeBron stand, I self-admittedly, I've, I've seen LeBron have a lot of different, like, trolls, or quote-unquote, through his career, and my only problem with Dylan Brooks is not the 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 fact that he's doing it or what he's it's the it's the after the fact don't hide from the media don't say all this stuff after you win a game don't mm-hmm. say all this stuff before the game and then not follow up with it after the game the, throughout LeBron's career you've seen people like Lance Stevenson Patrick <laughs> Beverly even Draymond Green even at oh, a time God. in his career like they've been like the villains against going against LeBron but they never like backed away from that they always stood ten toes in that and they embrace that fact Dylan Brooks <laughs> no. he's kind of like saying it and then hiding I feel like that's kind of I feel like that's scary at least at least those guys followed it up with they like they played well and then some of those guys even beat LeBron at times Dylan Brooks is just oh. no exactly after Dylan Brooks was talking a bunch of crud to LeBron um on the ESPN broadcast they like put stats of Dylan oh, Brooks man. next to LeBron and it was the funniest thing ever and it was like NBA championships zero. NBA players <laughs> it was just all zero and then there's there's LeBron but going back to Anthony Davis you know last game he was kind of hot and cold he got bailed out a couple times I think there was about five minutes left and Lakers were trailing by four and he he committed an offensive foul 
foul, which which was really tough. But, you know, then we obviously saw LeBron come back, tie the game, send it into overtime. Are you guys expecting more for Anthony Davis this next game? If they want to if they want to win the championship, they're going to need him. Uh, LeBron is not yeah, going to be able 100%. to, you know, LeBron is not going to be able to put this team on his back like he, you know, He's done 10 before. years ago when yeah. he was 28 years old. This guy's 38 years old now. Literally. And so Anthony Davis, he I respect him so much. And I know the type of capability that he has to play like an MVP t- caliber player. So we're going to need that from him if we want to go anywhere. 100%. I agree 100%. And I want to say one more thing while we're still on the Lakers. Um, speaking of that LeBron, that game-tying shoddy shot. If Skip Bayless, if you're listening to this broadcast right now, I want you to know that that shot was everything you said LeBron cannot do. He <laughs> drove to the basket at the end. He didn't pass the ball. He drove strong, was he looking for left. the foul. He went left. He literally did everything you said he can't. He was down. It wasn't a it wasn't a tie. It wasn't he wasn't winning already. He was down. It was either make that shot or lose and he did it. And so Skip Bayless, I know you're listening actually. So I want you to know he did it. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see the Lakers play the Grizzlies tonight at 6.30, but moving on to, you know, obviously my favorite team, the Golden State Warriors. You know, they're coming off a 126-125 win against the Kings. You know, they're back on the road in Sacramento. You know, Draymond came off the bench last game. I just want to know how you guys feel about Draymond as a reserve. Yeah, he actually, I know you probably read up on it too, he requested to come off the bench. Yeah. told Coach Kerr, uh, bring me off the bench he wants to bring a different dynamic to this team and everything I think you know Draymond Green we talked about it on the last time that we were on the air he is he's a different player but he's the type of guy that like Anthony Davis if you want to go somewhere you need them to be productive he's the heart and soul of this Warriors team as you know Taylor you know the defense runs through him he's the defensive anchor he's the playmaker the ball is in his hands when Curry is off, coming off the ball screens, moving screens, by the way, trying to get open, <laughs> hitting those shots and everything. So Draymond Green, for them to win this series, he's going to need to be effective too as a, um, as a playmaker and a defender. We need to see him at his highest level coming off the bench there. I agree, and I feel like uh, just the fact that he requested that and it, he kind of just shows him kind of taking responsibility, although I think it was – a little extra. I feel like the league has kind of villainized him at, to this point. I feel like his history plays into effect of the the kind of discipline he gets. Uh, although, I mean, it's give or, it's it's give you never know. It's it's hard to kind of gauge it. Um, but I mean, going off the be- coming off the bench, to kind of requesting that, showing ownership, showing taking leadership like that. I feel like that's a good step for him, and I feel like it'll do well for the team especially because, I mean, in the playoff games and when games, there's been two different games that were decided by one shot. So I feel like that type of leadership is really big in a series this close because I feel like this game, this series will definitely go to seven um, unless something crazy happens. So I feel like the, the Warriors definitely need him to step up and be that type of leader for them. Well, for me, because me and Taylor, we were kind of talking about some of the stuff before we went on air is that, to me, I think Sacramento, Sacramento, I don't get me wrong, I love Sacramento. I love everything that they have done this season. I think game five, I'm I, I don't know why I have this weird feeling, but I think the Warriors are gonna take game five and then the Kings will take game six. That's what I have right now. Because it's weird, because I know that's kind of crazy, but 
you know, just going just going off of this series alone, these series alone. I mean, honestly, this is probably the most watched series so far out of all these all out of all these playoffs. Maybe maybe besides the Clippers and the Suns, but I mean, th- I mean, what more can you say? Because all these teams, both of these teams, are much talented. All under you know, obviously the Greg Popovich uh, coaching tree, but the young stars that they have on this Kings team, and then obviously you know, Golden State with their longtime veterans and. Uh, cha- uh, championship team and championship level. I mean, what more can you ask? And obviously, Steph Curry being the all-time great shooter that he is, with you know Clay, and then obviously Draymond being back in the lineup obviously does help this Warriors lineup. But you got to give respect to Ke- uh, Kevin Looney though, because honestly, what in Draymond's absence, he you know played outstanding, grabbing all those rebounds that he that he got. I mean, that, what more can you say about him? But I mean. Just the rest of the series, it is going to go to seven, but I think it'll just be flopped for game five and game six. Yeah, he's somebody that I would want on my team. Kevon Looney, yeah. his ability to, I mean, just get down there and bruise other oh centers and everything yeah. in the paint. I that is... love Kevon Looney. Oh you, love every, you love everybody on the Warriors, Taylor. <laughs> I mean, that's my team. You, right. you want me to hate them? You know, like going back to Draymond, his past history and stuff, you know, my uncle hates that I love Draymond, hates that I'm a Warriors fan. He'll take every opportunity to tell me that Draymond sucks and the Warriors shouldn't have him on who, his team who, who's but, who's he a fan of he's a spurs fan hey there you go there you go <laughs> but you that know i right. really do believe <laughs> that sounds about right <laughs> i really do believe draymond is the heart of this team you know he is such a facilitator on the court and he really makes things happen for the warriors offensively and defensively and even last game you know he was uh guarding fox a few times and he was able to keep up with him and i was really impressed by that and then finally, you know, we saw Jordan Poole step up in this game. You know, he's been a little slow on the series, so I was excited to see him doing better. Keep it, keep it that way. And for the Kings, you know, Keegan Murray also finally stepped up. You know, he's a rookie, set NBA single-season records for most three points by a rookie. But, you know, I was finally happy to see him be productive and get some looks. You know, even their coach was like, oh, he's a rookie. He's not going to get many passes, all of this. You know, he needs to learn his role. But, you know, when he touched the ball, you know, he did a lot with it and he was able to create opportunities for the Kings. Taylor, let me ask you how you feel about Harrison Barnes, though. Uh-oh. He, Uh-oh. he had an opportunity to win he that game. He could have won the second. game at the end. You know, I have nothing against Harrison Barnes. I, I really respect him as a player. I loved watching him on the Warriors. Um, I think it was a great shot. I think he had every opportunity to make it. Obviously, tough that he didn't. Glad that he didn't. <laughs> but, um, you know, it is what it is. Did y'all hear the or not reports that came straight from Draymond himself saying that he doesn't think that Harrison Barnes likes him? Yeah, he didn't invite him to his wedding. He invited <laughs> yeah. every other warrior yeah. but him. He said that he feels that Harrison Barnes... Like with the whole report of, you know, Draymond crying in the car to to go get Kevin Durant um, after losing um, to the LeBron and the Cavs that year, he feels that that kind of is what directly led to him being traded, which, I mean, kind of makes sense. But it's like it's not it wasn't Draymond's fault that you were traded. So, like, I don't know why he would be mad at Draymond specifically for that, because even like Draymond said, he wasn't even in the meetings that they like officially had. He wasn't the only one in there. It was the whole team that was like trying to they weren't trying to trade Harrison Barnes. They were just trying to trade for Kevin Durant. So that and that was just kind of what happened. But that is what you call business. Yep. Yep. Literally. Yeah, I don't think Draymond really has anything against him. I don't think he'll get into petty things like that. Uh, I just think, you know, it is what it is. But another two other teams I want to talk about, you know, Suns clinched the first round of the playoffs against the Clippers last night. Devin Booker 
Oh my goodness, <laughs> my favorite player, 47 points. You know, my my friend actually works for the Phoenix Suns and her mom was at the game yesterday and she was sending me all these videos of Devin. It was, it was awesome, but I do want to ask, you know, what did you think about the Clippers' performance? You know, obviously Russell Westbrook had an amazing game, but what do you think the Clippers needed to do more? Well, he had he had a good series, but last game we saw we saw classic Russ, or yeah. I should say classic, classic Russ from Russ. the Lakers. You know, I I look uh, at the media. Well, three for eighteen—that's what I'm referring to. Okay. <laughs> yeah, three shooting three for eighteen. Um, Russell Westbrook he he had a rough season this year, and yeah. I'm not going to hold that against him. That was a toxic environment for him in LA. I'm not even going to lie to you. Um, but seeing him being able to turn back the clock at least a little bit and show <laughs> glimpses of old OKC Russ and do what he could for the Clippers. I mean, they were missing their main two superstars and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, as we all know. Mm-hmm. He did what he could, and obviously it wasn't enough for the three-headed, or I guess you could say four-headed monster of <laughs> Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Chris and Ball. if you want to throw Chris Ball in there. Yeah. So, you know, he did what he could, but that team right there, they're going to be tough to beat. Definitely. I feel like Russ, he was honestly just overmatched in this series um, as a whole, especially with Kawhi not being there, having his, he was there for a little bit and then tearing his meniscus and then um, Paul George not being there at all. That, I mean, it's just one man by himself. By me. Obviously, guys, Norman Powell stepped up, but uh, you would have liked to see more from Eric Gordon. I don't like Eric Gordon at all as a basketball player. Oh, my goodness. He's so streaky. I call him – whenever I see him play, it, I call it herky-jerky because he's, like, just – just, like, the way his body moves, it just does not look right, and I don't like it. But he just – he needed oh. – Russ needed a lot more help throughout the series, and he just wasn't going to be able to get it go, uh, up against the guys that he had. We are at the stage of the show now where we're having Eric Gordon rants. Yeah, yeah, man. It's, uh, it's what happens when you're in the playoffs. So you got, you got to step up, and he did not. Well, unfortunately, uh, first of all, Taylor, congrats to you for your favorite player moving on. Thank but you. just going off of just this Clippers team, I was talking, kind of talking about this, and uh, I think to me, Kawhi Leonard is probably at the stage of at the end of uh, to me at the end of his career. Now, I know he's only been in the league for now 11, almost 11, 12 years now in the league, but if you look at his track record in the past few years since winning that 2019 championship in Toronto, I mean, his his injuries have been just not as, I mean, it's been effective in his career, only playing a few games throughout the 20, obviously 2021, 2022, and 2023 season. I mean, I mean to me, that's that's tough. And quite frankly, the injury that he does have mostly have been in his legs. So obviously, you know, leg injuries are not really some really to mess with uh Orlando did you want to yeah add I was just gonna watch and went in and say it's crazy to me part to me is, is that he's like the leader in load management and taking games off and it's specifically to prevent things like this injury so he can put go far in the playoffs and it's still not it's still not helping he's still getting injured late he's still getting injured when his team needs him most and I mean that kind of just sucks as a as a player but I mean like I feel like like you said it's kind of trending towards the end of his career if this type of thing keeps happening so yeah hopefully he can his body can recover fully this time he can take this whole off season and hopefully this is his like last major injury yeah no that is super tough for Kawhi Leonard I feel for him torn meniscus I'm pretty sure it's in the same knee that like he tore his ACL which is which is even worse but 
you know, talking about injuries, like let's just go to Clay Thompson, you know, who suffered two injuries two years in major a row, injury. and he was yeah. major injuries, and he was able to bounce back. Do you guys think Kawhi Leonard will be able to do the same thing? Well, to the we all know Kawhi Leonard in our generation to be, I'm hands down probably the greatest defender of oh, our 100%. generation easily. And yeah. you need what people don't or what the common fan doesn't realize is that in your knees, that's where you generate your lateral quickness. Yep. And it, to be able to play effective defense, you need to be able to move laterally quickly and have that agility. And suffering those injuries, a torn ACL, and then suffering a torn meniscus, that is going to that is going to depreciate your game a lot. So only time will tell if he's able to and everything. Yeah, I definitely agree. And also, before we run out of time, I definitely want to highlight um, Jimmy Butler and the eight-seeded Miami Heat going up a 3-1 against the um, number one seed in Milwaukee Bucks behind a 56-point performance from Jimmy Butler, which is the Honestly. highest-scoring um, playoff performance in Miami Heat history, more than D-Way, more than LeBron, more than Alonzo Mourning, Shaq. Shaq, so many great players throughout Heat history, and he's the top one. And, I mean, if he can bring them a ring, I mean, I know it's kind of it would be tough. He's AC, but, I mean, he would definitely go in history as one of the best Heat of all time. He's already up there talking to Heat fans specifically, but, I mean, a ring would just solidify that for sure. 100% MVP. In yeah. my opinion. Absolutely. 100%. Playoffs, Jimmy, is just, is just different. different. Yeah, it's, there you go. Well, unfortunately, I wish we had more time to talk about it, but I'm going to throw it to Kobe to give us a little update about the weather. Yeah, it was a little bit wet yesterday, but sun is kind of out in the sky. It's currently 74 degrees. We're supposed to get a high of 83. It was a low of 66 this morning. We're also Roughly about a 40% chance of rain throughout the next coming hour. So be sure to bring a jacket and an umbrella just in case. And then for tomorrow's forecast, it's supposed to be clear skies, sunny, sunny day with the low of 60 and a high of 80. And like I talked about Monday's broadcast, it is coming towards the end of the semester, guys. So obviously you've got to study hard and, you know, hopefully y'all pass y'all's finals and move on to summer vacation. Super close to the end. Well, that's all the time we have for today's episode. Don't worry, we'll have you covered again with our Friday edition of BCR. Now, if you enjoyed this episode of Bobcat Radio and want to continue to hear more, then make sure to keep up with us by following us at KTSW Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Spotify. For Kobe Jackson, Thomas Terry, and Orlando Smart, I'm Taylor Quinn, and thank you for listening to this Friday to this Wednesday edition of Bobcat Radio. Now let's get you back to the other side of radio.